Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe. Tuesday, February the 7th, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. For those that are listening for the first time, and there's probably not many of you, this is where I uh, respond to your Twitter questions and comments in audio form. And we have some today that uh, aren't Brian Ferentz related, but most of them are Brian Ferentz related, as you would imagine. And uh, we'll get to those. Just for a overall Iowa sports update, uh, the Iowa men tied for third place in the Big Ten now at 7-5. and five. Big game on Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Time at number one ranked Purdue. Uh, that's number one in the country, not just number one in the Big Ten. So uh tall task for Iowa on Thursday. And then I believe it's Sunday. Uh, there's supposed to be a game at Minnesota, but Minnesota's game tonight with Illinois, tonight being February the 7th, uh, was postponed till February 20th, I believe, because the Golden Gophers are experiencing – a COVID pause. Yes, those still are happening. Uh, so protect yourself. Be careful out there, folks. Iowa women, uh, up to number five, I believe, this week in the AP poll. So Hawkeyes flying high. Caitlin Clark still rolling, had a triple double at Penn State on Sunday. Uh, probably one of the easier triple doubles she'll ever record uh penn state is not good so and we have a question related to that too for later in this podcast so little teaser there uh iowa beat purdue this year 108 to 67 uh january 14th in iowa city uh and then went out and won 95 to 51 uh out in state college on sunday so much like the men um, the Iowa women play on the road this Thursday. So in the infinite wisdom of Big Ten scheduling and basketball, the Iowa women will be playing Thursday night, this Thursday night, February 9th, 
at 5.30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network against, yes, number two, Indiana. Uh, Not number two in the Big Ten, number two in the country. So the Iowa women will play the second-ranked team in the country, Indiana, at 5.30 p.m. on Thursday. One half of an hour later, the men tip off at number one, Purdue. So you've got the men and women both playing top two teams in the country at the same time. And that's just bad scheduling. I'm sure there's an explanation for it, but it's annoying uh, when you'd like to watch both games and you can kind of, but I'm not a picture in picture guy or split screen guy, you know, or laptop TV guy. I can't do that. I like to watch one game, but anyway, that's my problem. Uh, And then wrestling wise, um, Hawkeyes got back on track last week at Minnesota uh, and pretty much are winding down the season at this point. Uh, A couple more duels left. uh, Another one on the road this week, Friday, February the 10th. Uh, That's at Michigan. And that is a big 10 network game or match duel. Once again, Uh, Iowa's had a lot of eight o'clock Friday night duels this year uh, because they are TV gold when it comes to wrestling and they like to put them in that eight o'clock Friday time slot. And then Sunday, February the 19th, the final duel of the season is against Oklahoma State at home, 3.30 p.m. That is senior day. That will be Spencer Lee's last home duel. Um, Those are sold out, but maybe you can get a ticket somewhere from a friend. Uh, I'd have to probably be a really good friend. All right, folks, let's jump into the questions that we have today and comments. Um, Good time for the public service announcement here. Uh, Jesse, actually, Joaquin Taco at Sir M. Barbera on Twitter uh, sent this on February 2nd, which was last Thursday. And you can do the same anytime during the week. Uh, between the time I record this podcast and post it and when I uh, hit the next one, record the next one, usually early Tuesday mornings, mid mornings at the latest uh, hashtag HF mail, send it my way, comment, question, uh, criticism, uh, whatever you want to send my way, send it my way. And for the most part, I will read them on here. Uh, there are people whose I can't see. Um, and there are reasons for that, but, uh, for the most part, the, the crew hits me. Um, Joaquin is a, a semi regular, I would say to regular. Uh, he hits me quite often with questions, he or she, uh, as do most of the people you'll hear from today. Uh, but we're always welcoming new participants to the mailbag podcast who can come on here and listen to me take a coffee sip. Without having a co-host, I have to sip my coffee and you have to listen to it. So um, that's the downside of the HF Mailbag Podcast. There may be others, but we aren't, we aren't going to discuss those. Joaquin checks in. Who knows what may have happened by the time today rolls around? Again, this is from last Thursday. But here's what I took from KF's presser. This is Kirk Ferentz's press conference from February 1st, a day before Joaquin sent this to me. My game philosophy is fine. He's talking as Kirk Ferentz. My game philosophy is fine. Brian implements it well. 
And the problem last year was the players aren't good enough. So the staff stays the same, not coach's fault. That's kind of the message that I picked up as well, Joaquin. And I've written a couple columns now, wrote one last night off the the latest Kirk Brian Ferentz news, but I did write one last Wednesday and then wrote one again yesterday, uh, Monday, February the 6th, uh, and hoping that this is done now. Everybody knows Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator. It's Kirk Ferentz's offensive philosophy. Maybe John Budmeyer helps out again. Same other position coaches back, George Barnett, Kelton Copeland, uh, Abdul Hodge on offense. That's the group. And basically, it's Kirk and Brian as the chefs. They're coming up with the recipe. And same as they did the last two years, one with Ken O'Keefe as a quarterback coach. Last year, John Budmeyer as a consultant, advisor, uh, whatever you want, however you want to title him. I'm not sure what his official title was, but um, there's a chance he could be back. Uh, they don't have a coaching spot for him because no coach is left. So it would have to be in that advisory role again. There are some NCAA rules discussions going on where they may add another coach to the high majors or FBS, I guess you would say. Maybe it trickles down below that, but I deal with FBS and Power 5, so that's where my concern lies. Um, but if they do that, then obviously they could add him if they choose to. Um, we talked – you know, this time roughly last year when it was announced that Ken O'Keefe was leaving and Brian Ferentz would coach quarterbacks, that obviously was met with some head scratching as he's somebody who hasn't coached quarterbacks before. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we all know the history here. and But you make a good point, Joaquin. Uh, maybe semi-intelligence. Minds think alike here. That's kind of what I got. If you don't change the coaches or you're not making any coaching changes, now they can change some philosophies and some approaches to what they do, but it's the same, it's the same brain trust that is entrusted with fixing what ails this offense. And they're telling you, listen, we got a new quarterback in Cade McNamara. We got another tight, uh, you know, Big Ten, all all Big Ten type tight end and Eric all. We added a scholarship receiver in Seth Anderson. We got two offensive linemen and Dejon Parker and Rusty Feth. We've addressed personnel issues, and that's what we think were the, the, the that's what we think was the reason for Iowa struggling offensively the last two years. So, yes, that is the message being sent. That is the message you will hear leading up to the season opener in the fall or late summer, I guess that is. And uh, you do with that what you will. They're telling the fans this is what the situation is. Uh, it's become crystal clear the last two weeks. Uh, you decide. Do you want to buy season tickets? Do you want to renew your season tickets? Uh, are you still engaged? Um, because the thing that I was going to fight the most now is apathy. Um, that's what you don't want. And I sense a little bit of it out there, but it's still Iowa football and people love Iowa football. It's an event in the summer. It's you know, reunions in some cases with friends and family you haven't seen in a while. You get together on Saturday, you 
it's a party. You know, it's more than just the football game itself. So I think most people will be back. Uh, but I think, for lack of a better cliche, the the the, the leash is shorter now. But there's still plenty of lead, if you will, because uh, the person in charge uh, over there is who we know it is. And that's who decides what's going to happen. And he's decided. So we uh, we decide at this point. It's been presented to us what the setup is, and we decide. And as I wrote in my column yesterday, I hope for the best. Uh, love the kids on this team. Wish nothing but the best for them. Hope they win every single game. And hopefully the coaches put them in position to do so. That's what you all should hope. Um, but it's understandable to have some reservations and also um, doubts about this working because it hasn't the last two years. And uh, But hopefully it was personnel issues and uh, things can get fixed. The benefit is, uh, or one of the benefits are, uh, is that um, it's an it's a manageable schedule. There's no Ohio State and Michigan on the regular season schedule. Uh, USC and UCLA aren't here yet, so um, Iowa has a very manageable schedule. Uh, it's really going to come down to is it the best team in the West. Um, with a favorable schedule. And that's certainly possible. Um, it's not a daunting task to win the Big Ten West. Uh, right now, you've got, what, three or four new coaches in the division uh, turning over. Uh, that should be a benefit to you. So um, we'll see. Uh, Jesse Lucier at Jesse Lucier on Twitter, a regular in the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. You and Scott talked about the excellent walk-on class. I'm not sure how many other schools run their main collective like Iowa's Swarm in the sense that everyone gets the same, including walk-ons. Do you think this helped Iowa recruit walk-ons because tuition isn't cheap? It's a good point, Jesse, and I don't think it hurt. Um, it makes it more attractive for walk-ons now. Take Aiden McDermott, for instance, defensive back from Cedar Rapids Xavier in the 23 class. He's walking on here. I think they get what? I forget how much money they get a month. Is it 3000 a month from the collective? Something like that. I'm, I apologize if I'm off on that number. But that's a nice chunk to help you pay if you're walking on. And Aiden was committed to South Dakota State, the FCS national champions, their only loss last year was to Iowa in the season opener. He was going to arguably one of the best FCS programs in the country on scholarship, school paid for out of state. He decides to walk on here. Um, so the old days, it's, hey, <laughs> you and your family take some loans, maybe apply for some scholarships, whatever you can do. But for the most part, you're paying for your education and an opportunity to earn a scholarship at Iowa. But that may not happen, and you're currently going into debt, potentially. So with the stipends or the money that the Swarm Collective gives these guys as walk-ons certainly is attractive. And I think that's the case for all of the guys that committed to Iowa that had 
scholarship offers from other schools. Jalen Thompson, the tight end from West Des Moines Dowling, uh, family friend, um, he was going to Northern Illinois on a full scholarship. And that's an FBS program. That's a Mac school, which isn't bad. There's a lot of Mac players in the NFL. Jalen's a talented kid, a very good athlete. Um, he decided that he wanted to walk on at Iowa. And, you know, that's – I'm sure – I haven't talked to Jalen about it yet. I'm supposed to interview him for a story that you can see on Hawk Fanatic later this week about um, the walk-on class at Iowa. But and check that out. But you know, just you'll 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 hear from those guys their reasoning, and just because it's still uncomfortable, the collectives and NIL. My guess is I haven't talked to all of them yet. People aren't, you know, the the recruits, the walk-ons probably aren't going to bring up that you know it was attractive because of NIL, and even though I'm walking on, I'm still getting money, but. I mean, it's obvious that that helps and certainly can influence decisions. And I would, you'd be naive to think that it didn't at least influence here, but there are other factors. The most prominent in my mind is guys like Jalen Thompson and Aiden McDermott and Nolan DeLong from Durant and those guys that could have gotten scholarships. They're coming here because they can believe, they believe they can play at the highest level and can get, earn a scholarship here. That's why you come here. You're given an opportunity to earn a scholarship and play power five football in the big 10 at the highest level. That's the motivating force here, but certainly NIL is a factor. That was another coffee sip. All right. We've got a couple more here before we take our first break. Um, 44 M less at 44 M less another another regular on the podcast. My 10-year-old son wants to go to a youth Iowa football camp this summer. I'm assuming they have one for his age. Do you know when the football program usually have the camps? Who should I contact? Any information you have would be greatly appreciated. The best advice I could give, and this is not me passing you off, it's just that I'm not well-versed in how this stuff happens. Uh, I do know part of your question is they happen in June, pretty much throughout the entire month of June. Uh, in, in May, they're out on the road recruiting for the program. Come back in June. They host prospect camps where potential uh, tar- recruiting targets come in, um, guys that maybe are on the fence and don't have an offer yet. They come in, perform for the coaches, uh, get, you know, receive coaching from the coaches and oftentimes get scholarships out of those camps. But then for the younger kids, um, and I'm not sure if they have 10 year old, I think they do, but I can't say for sure. But HawkeyeSports.com is a great resource for everything like this question about camps or schedules or contact information or any of that stuff for Iowa sports. HawkeyeSports.com. Check that out. Uh, for you, Les, you're going to want to go, obviously, to the football and look for summer camps. There has to be a link or something there for that. Uh, actually, I've got Hawkeye Sports open here. Let me see. I don't want to uh, go through too much of the podcast with this, but um, let's see. 
I'm looking for more recruiting, uh, development. There's, yeah, there should be a, there's, I can't find it now, but there should be a tab there or at least some contact or general information on who to contact for camps. Uh, I'm not sure who is in charge for running the camps. I think it's a group effort for the Iowa football program. So actually I lied. We are going to take our first break now uh, and then come back with Les's second question. Wanted to let folks know that support for this podcast, the HF Mailbag podcast, and all of the podcasts here on the Hawk Fanatic feed comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That's sui. Thank you very much to Systems Unlimited and all of our sponsors. And you will hear from a few of them right now. And we will be back on the other side to continue on with the Mailbag Podcast. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Oriza Asian Cuisine and Bar is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Enjoy Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, and Korean all combined into one menu. Visit 5 Sturgis Corner Drive next to Staples in Iowa City. Open 11 to 10 every day, 365 days a year, or visit online at arisaic.com. And we're back. Thank you to our sponsors there. Um, You'll hear from some more in a bit as well. Uh, They pay the bills. They help us bring you these podcasts free of charge. They're not behind a paywall. They're not in Patreon. None of that stuff. You just sign up. Subscribe, whatever you have to do, smash the button, as the kids say. Have us uh, have us on your feed. It'll come in there. We have new podcasts discussing Hawkeye athletics Monday through Friday. Uh, also, uh, occasional special podcasts beyond that. But Monday through Friday, you will have a fresh Hawkeye podcast in your feed at some point during the day. Uh, these are on Tuesdays, Tuesday mornings, the mailbag podcast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, our flagship podcast with Pat Hardy and the guys at KCJJ. And then Thursdays are the hotspot podcast with Scott Docterman and I, uh, where we go in depth usually on all the hot Hawkeye topics. So please check us out again. Thank you to our sponsors. Let's hop back in here. Uh, second question from 44MLess, and this was from yesterday, uh, before I solicited questions. So Les was on the ball. And thank you uh, also to Kevin out there, uh, who will have a question upcoming, uh, who reminded me to send out my tweet last night uh, soliciting questions and comments for the Mailbag Podcast. Some of you guys are on autopilot and send them in during the week, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, but for those of you like me who's, who are forgetful, uh, I appreciate uh, Kevin checking in and letting me, reminding me to light the bat signal. 44 MLS, if both the Hawkeye men's and women's teams make it to the big dance, I'm assuming at least the women are guaranteed a spot at this point of, of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that, Les. What's one thing that both teams have to do to make a run in the tourney? Let's assume, assume they have favorable matchups. The beauty of this one, Les, is 
it's the same for both teams. It's defense, right? Um, when Iowa men and women don't play well or lose, it's usually because they were outscored. And that's saying something because both of those teams score at a very high level among the best scoring offenses in the country. So if you're losing 95 to 90 or 90 to 85, it's pretty obvious you've scored enough points to win the basketball game. What you didn't do is defend well enough. And that's the task for both of these teams. And they both have some disadvantages. Um, the women, um, sometimes get lost on dribble penetration, uh, sometimes with quick post players. Uh, those are the things that stick out to me sometimes, you know, on ball defense, um, three point guarding, guarding the three point line, things like that. And it's similar for the men. The, the additional, I think, obstacle for the men is it, they don't have a true post player. Philip Robracha again is playing out of position at center. He's more of a power forward, uh, but the kid's playing his ass off. He's playing at an all Big Ten level, um, and he is to me one of the main, if not the main, reason that Iowa is surging and has an opportunity to make a postseason run um, because he is making up for not having that classic post player by playing well against the classic post players, which he was inconsistent with last year. So when you look at it that way, um, the the potential is there for him to get in foul trouble. That's the downside, and it'll be interesting to see on Thursday when he goes up against Zach Eady how he handles that because you have to be very – I don't know if economical is the right word – but you have to be able to gauge and judge when you're beat. If Zach Eady has the ball in the low post and he has position, do what you can, but don't foul if it's probably going to be two points anyway because he's a good foul shooter and you get yourself in foul trouble and then you're sitting on the bench. And then I don't know what you do then. Uh, I think Agundale is back at practice, Riley Mulvey, has played spot minutes here and there, but it doesn't at this point in the season seem like the coaches have confidence in those big guys to go in there. They may have not, may not have a choice at some point, and that could come Thursday if Edie's able to get Rebracha in foul trouble. Um, and then maybe you slide, maybe you go small and slide Chris Murray on Edie, but that's not a good scenario either. Cause if you get Chris Murray in foul trouble, you're losing one of your best offensive players. Uh, so very limited up front. Those are kind of the obstacles for me, less that have to be overcome. Favorable matchups to me would be teams that um, you match up well and have a better opportunity to outscore. Uh, they're not, they don't possess those characteristics that I talked about earlier uh, in answering this question. That's really what helps. And that's what helps in the NCAA tournament is having a good path, maybe getting an upset in your section of the bracket. Things like that all help. Iowa, at least from a men's standpoint, has not gotten a lot of those breaks through the years, but maybe this is the year. And uh, it's a fun team to watch. I think the men and the women are both very fun to watch. Wrestling team's fun to watch. Spencer Lee is a generational talent. Um, and that's one of the things I wrote about in 
my column today about Brian Ferentz. I'm tired of talking about Brian Ferentz and writing about Brian Ferentz in February. Uh, there's really good winter sports happening here. The gymnastics got a really nice win last night against Nebraska. There's a lot of good um, winter sports action going on right now in, in, uh, in Iowa athletics, and that's probably where the focus should be. So hopefully – we're done with football now until maybe spring football kicks off, but I'm not getting my hopes up in that regard. Here's Kevin, Kevin Melkert at KMelkert91. Uh, he is who I was thanking earlier for reminding me about sending my mailbag tweet. Uh, and he promised me when he did remind me that he was going to ask me a non football question. And we've gotten some non football questions today, which I really appreciate, which also gives me, um, uh, justification is the right word, but reaffirms maybe to me or affirms to me that some of you folks are tired about the, the football storylines at this point of the year as well and want to talk about other sports. So I appreciate that. And I'm fine talking about football. It is, as Bob Bowlesby told me back in the day, former Iowa athletic director, former Big 12 or former Stanford athletic director, former Big 12 commissioner. I hope he's enjoying his retirement. The football is the front porch. That's what people see. That's what people know at Iowa. That's what people, that's where people hang out. Um, and the other sports are just kind of there. Um, I think in different degrees, um, depending on success levels, but football at Iowa is king. It always has been. Um, at least for when I've been around, which is, you know, 26 years. But that's what we talk about a lot. So I do appreciate the non-football questions, but obviously understand the landscape. Kevin, thoughts on Caitlin Clark still being on the court midway through the fourth quarter with Iowa leading by 40-plus points happened both games against Penn State. I don't think it's a good look. And that is certainly a reasonable Viewpoint, Kevin, uh, one that I tend to agree with in most scenarios. I will say this. I have not watched either one of the Penn State Iowa women's basketball games this year. I think they've both been on the weekends and I've been at, uh, events for my daughters, uh, playing sports. And I asked the, my 12 year old last night this question and it's not in, in her, response or answer to it is I think there's multiple sides to this. Um, uh, you know, the obvious is Caitlin Clark did not win player of the year last year, despite putting up ridiculous numbers. Was Aaliyah Boston worthy? Damn right. She was. And she is this year too, regardless of what you're being told out there. If you watch women's athletics, you watch women's basketball, Aaliyah Boston is amazing. She doesn't play a lot late in games because her team is ridiculous and they beat the crap out of everybody and they take her out, which feeds into this question a little bit. If Iowa is up by 40, what is Caitlin Clark doing in the game? What is the reason for that? I haven't had a chance to le ask Lisa Bluter about this. Uh, I will uh, when I have an opportunity uh, I'm limited to kind of the amount of content I can do in a month based on what my employer, employers cap me at. So I have to kind of pick and choose when I do non 
football, men's basketball stories. Those are the sports that drive the most traffic for us. That's what the bosses care about. That's where I spend my time, yada, yada. Having said that, just kind of speaking in general terms, it's not a, I agree with you. It's not a good look to have your best player in there up 40 points late in the fourth quarter or midway through the fourth quarter, as you said. Um, the game is no longer in doubt. You're risking injury, which would be awful. Um, and then you're definitely going to be asked, asked some questions and have to answer to why was she still in there? Now she's out for the season and your season's done. So that's the risk you run there. Is it worth keeping somebody in there to get another double double to put that or triple double, excuse me, to put that on the resume uh, to enhance your chances at a postseason award? I think you just do it organically. I think you proceed organically and just play uh, when she's needed. And those numbers that she posts when she should be in the game and is needed in the game. Cool. And I just, I, I'm not so sure that another triple double the other day enhances her, her uh, candidacy that much. And also I'm not one for risking injury at that point of the game. I did have somebody comment to your tweet, Kevin, saying that Penn State was still pressing at that time. Um, yeah, so um, Iowa's backup guards can handle the press. Kalen Clark isn't the only one that can break a press for the Iowa women. Um, they have plenty of good guards that come off the bench that are probably still better than Penn State's guards. So uh, to me, that argument doesn't wash, but I'll try to ask Lisa about it at some point and see what she says. Uh, I'm guessing it's somewhere in the she wants to make sure that her her kid wins the player of the year award. And I get it. I get that. It's big. Uh, it's, you know, player of the year in the country. Uh, that's <laughs> no other explanation is really needed about the importance of that. But I think the ultimate goal and the main objective is winning the big 10 and potentially winning a national championship. I was, fifth in the country, it is certainly a contender. You don't want to get your best player hurt in a in a position where she's not really needed. So my thoughts on that. Thanks again, Kevin, for uh, your question and also for uh, the reminder again last night. H. Period Jones Jr. at H. J. Jr. 38. Why didn't KF, Kirk Ferentz, and GB, Gary Barta, give it to us straight Wednesday? This is last Wednesday when Gary Barta and Kirk Ferentz met with the media on the late signing day for recruiting, which was February 1st. Why run us in circles? Just say Brian's going to be back one more year. We expect marked improvements this season or changes will be made. I know it's not what you want to hear, but that's the deal. Be honest. This is bad. Yeah, I guess they're trying. Here's the deal too. Um, there's a back in 2014 when the that's football comment happened. Um, 
Kirk Ferentz family, the Kirk Ferentz organization, uh, the Kirk Ferentz company decided that a PR firm was needed. Um, they didn't like how that uh, that went over uh, publicly. So they hired a PR firm, which has worked with the program now for whatever, since 2015 on. Um, I'm sure they're involved with this. And there are some probably uh, judgments, uh, analytics, uh, all these things that come into play now in our society and, and you know, in, in our everyday lives, how things are analyzed. But to me, this was probably what they felt was most palatable to the fan base was last week, Kirk kind of easing it in a little bit with he anticipates everybody coming back on his staff. All right. So the doors open left, it left open a little crack there. He anticipates. And I saw some people jump on that and say, well, he anticipates that doesn't mean that Brian's not going, but we all knew Brian was coming back. He wouldn't have said that last week if he thought Brian was in position to move on to somewhere else. He would have said, Hey, you know, I think my my staff might be, you know, intact next year, but guys are still looking around and it's, you know, it's at the point of the season where guys are still changing jobs and you never know. Anticipating that your staff is going coming back with that strongly last Wednesday, we knew what the situation was, which is why yesterday the I guess PR move Tell people, hey, Brian Ferentz is taking a five and a half percent, six percent salary cut. Um, he's got benchmarks he needs to reach in winning seven games a season. And mind you, if Iowa wins seven games a season, that's not necessarily a, a uh, endorsement for Brian Ferentz. Iowa's averaged nine wins the last two seasons with one of the worst offenses in the country. So whatever on the seven wins, um, we can debate whether or not, you know, because you can also look at it and say, well, you know, look at all, you know, look at the schools that are, look at Nebraska. They can't win seven games. We're Iowa. We're winning seven games or more every year. So that should be where the bar's set. I'm not arguing any of that crap with anybody because um, it's just pounding your head against the wall. The 25 points a game benchmark, that's not a lot. Um, you know, and it includes defensive points too, I think, which I scored what seven defensive touchdowns last year. So again, not a high bar. You could say maybe with last year, which where they were what around 18 points a game, maybe with last year, 25 would be an improvement. But really, shouldn't that be the expectation? Shouldn't you be able to, as a Power 5 school in the Big Ten that plays two, often plays two inferior non-conference opponents, this year being Utah State and Western Michigan, um, you could probably, if you have a halfway competent offense, put up 40 or more on those teams. So that helps your average out right there. You don't have Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule. Um, you know, so that also helps your bottom line, so to speak. So 
I really don't, again, and I wrote this in my column today, I really don't understand what yesterday was about. I think if they would have just done all of this last Wednesday, the I anticipate my staff is going to be the same this year. Here's what we're doing with Brian's contract. If they just would have put all that out Wednesday, we get it all out. Everybody knows, okay, here's the situation. Instead, you kind of just start to pull the Band-Aid off a little bit last Wednesday with Kirk pretty much telling us that Brian was coming back. But the Band-Aid's still just hanging on this, on there a little bit. And then yesterday, ah, let's pull it off some more. Hopefully that's it. Hopefully the Band-Aid is off now and everybody can deal with this and everybody can come to terms with Iowa having the same coaching staff next year for those folks that didn't want that. And I think there are quite a few people that did not want that, particularly wanted to change an offensive coordinator. Having two two press conferences slash releases within a five or six day period on the same topic to me was just unnecessary and was not a wise way of going about this. But that's just me. Thanks for the question, H. Jones Jr. A um, couple more, a couple of, yeah, there's more than a couple here. Uh, e at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014, another frequent contributor to the Mailbag podcast. What was the ex- explanation of Kirk's son-in-law, Tyler Barnes, being rehired in 2016 as recruiting director? I'm not sure there ever was really uh, an explanation. They just kind of reshuffled things and promoted some. I think it was Seth Wallace was promoted at that time or Kelvin Bell, one of the two who was the recruiting coordinator, uh, was promoted. Uh, I think Seth Wallace went from linebacker coach to linebacker co-defensive coordinator or assistant defensive coordinator. I'm not sure what the official title is. Uh, And then Kelvin Bell went from, I believe, assistant defensive line coach with Reese Morgan to head defensive line coach. And then at that point, it opened it up for Barnes to come in. You know, I mean, again, it's his son-in-law. That is a higher powered microscope when you're looking at performance um, because it's a family member. Um, Tyler Barnes has done a okay job. Um, if you look at Iowa recruiting over the years, it's pretty steady. No matter who the recording recruiting coordinator has been, you know what you get at Iowa. You know what the facilities are. You know what the coaches are. You know what the atmosphere is like. You know what the support is like from fans as a recruit. You know, they still get the guys they normally get. You know, they beat Wisconsin and Michigan State and Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa State and schools like that. Those are the schools like Missouri, uh, Kansas State. Those are the schools they kind of compete with regularly for their most highly regarded recruits. Eh, they have the right ties. They may beat an Ohio State or a Michigan or a Penn State here and there, but most times they won't beat those schools for the guys that those schools most want. Um, it happens, but for the most part, it's 
the the classes are comprised of uh you know three four star guys so i don't think i think tyler barnes is good at organization uh i think he's good at getting his foot in the door um and connecting and setting up his the iowa assistant coaches to do the heavier lifting um and i think he's fine at his job he happens to be Kirk's son-in-law, but I don't think you can compare his performance with Brian's performance. Recruiting is fine, if not having been upticked uh, at times here and there since Barnes has been here or come back after he had to leave because of nepotism laws. It's So I think it's it's not apples to apples when you're comparing his performance to Brian. Brian's is not good, and we all see that. Recruiting is pretty much status quo and is that way. Um, you know, I'm not sure what recruiting coordinator you could bring in here who starts upgrading wide receiver, you know, recruiting because you're recruiting wide receivers to a system that doesn't throw enough to the wide receivers. That's more of an obstacle than whoever the coordinator is, in my opinion. So we'll leave that at that. Have you ever heard of any coach assistant contract being reduced before in any college sport? Yeah, it happens a lot, E, and I I wrote about that on my column today. I didn't cite any um, any other instances, but I can give you two right off the top of my head. Scott Frost took a pay cut before last season. Uh, then he got fired. Jim Harbaugh, two years ago, took a pay reduction at Michigan. Then he won the Big Ten two years in a row and got a raise and got his money back. So it happens. It's not, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's not uncommon either. Um, this one was just kind of, say, I, I just think it, it didn't have much juice. I don't think it really impressed anybody, uh, so to speak. Uh, will Clark will Clark be the national player of the year? I know he is a big women's basketball fan. Uh, I enjoy the women's team as well. Enjoy watching it. It's entertaining. Uh, she should be. I think she should be national player of the year, even with what I said about Aaliyah Boston. Uh, having um, she's limited because of how good South Carolina is and her not being needed out there a lot when. The Gamecocks are up by 50 points at halftime or whatever it is. So, yeah, that uh, that is certainly a factor. But I think Caitlin's done enough this year. And if Iowa stays top 10, um, let's face it, most of that or a huge chunk of that is because of her play. Um, there's other really good players on the team. Cisano, Monica Cisano, I can't say her name today for some reason. Um is an all big 10 player. Um, you know, there are a lot of other good Kate Martin's a good player. McKenna Warnock's a good player. Uh, Gabby Marshall's a good player. They have a lot of good players. They have good players that come off the bench. Uh, but this is Caitlin Clark's team and it goes as she goes. And if they're, if they win the big 10 regular season and are a top 10 team at the end of the year, I don't want to say slam dunk, but I would be very surprised if she's not the player of the year nationally. All right. Uh, I'll do one more here before we take our second break. Uh, Emily Castile 
Utero at Emily Hawk 99. What is the biggest misconception fans have about your job? <laughs> oh, I need a coffee sip before that one. Um, I will start, Emily, by saying, uh, do I still love my job? I guess you could say I still love my job. I don't love it as much as I used to, uh, but I still enjoy what I do. Uh, most most of the time, the reason is I enjoy writing uh, and I enjoy the subject matter most times. And as I said earlier, I really enjoy uh, getting to know the young men and women that come to play at Iowa. Uh, I've remained friends and acquaintances with many of them some of them now into their 40s uh, and beyond with families. Um, it's awesome to see not just the guys that have success in the NFL uh, or the women that go to the WNBA, uh, you know, or, you know, play professionally in other sports, but, you know, the the people that just go on and have, you know, quote unquote, normal lives, non-athletic lives, their sports careers end at Iowa. Uh, I still, you know, some of them go into coaching, some of them go into business, some of them, uh, uh, Anton Narinsky is an actor in California. I've done stories on him. He's, uh, he's acted with some, some pretty heavy hitters and, uh, just great stories all around. And those are the ones that are fun to tell. So, I really don't have many complaints about my job. Um, I jokingly complained yesterday about having to write about Brian Ferentz again. It was a pain in the ass, uh, but it's not digging a ditch. Um, it's not, you know, working on a pipeline. Uh, it's not, you know, pouring cement, whatever tough task that people do or hard work that people do. This is not a physically draining job. It's more mentally draining. And I think that's maybe where the misconception is for fans. Um, they're like, hey, you get to go to the games. You know, you get to in for free. Um, sometimes you get food for free. Um, I would love to do that. I'd love to be at Kinnick every Saturday. I would love to be at Carver uh, on the baseline or walking the sidelines at, you know, along Duke Slater field. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints that, I mean, sometimes I'm tired and, you know, just normal, what normal people get tired with their work, even if they enjoy it, sometimes it's, it's a grind and it can be a grind and this job can be a grind, but it's definitely more mental than physical. And something that's added to that is social media. Like, and I know my colleagues would, probably agree with this because I've talked to him about it before. Um, you write something and it gets a reaction on social media. And there are people out there that are very repetitive. Like, for instance, you write something about Brian Ferentz and then it opens up and it creates a shit storm on social media and people want to engage you. Some people want to blame you for it and you're not asking the tough questions and you're not, why aren't you writing that Brian Ferentz should be fired? And that, although is not um, impactful, you know, once in a while, when it happens over time, 
continuously, it wears you down. It wears you down mentally. And I think that's probably the biggest drawback to the job. And I don't know if that answers your question, Emily, as a misconception. Um, But that would be, to me, people maybe misconceive that it's just all sunshine and rainbows doing this job when there are some drawbacks, like there are with every single job there is. It's just the way it is. But again, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change what I've done with my career and the career I've had. Uh, I hope I can look back at it at the end and appreciate it a little bit more than I do maybe in the moment. Um, But whenever I hear from a former student athlete or engage, it reminds me of what's important. And that's kind of why I do what I do. Uh, Okay, let's take another break here. Before we get to, I think I've got three more in the hopper here. Get it, Take a break here, and then we're going to get out. We're running long today. It's been almost an hour. So let's hear from a few more sponsors, and then I will be back on the other side to finish it up. And we are back. And next up is Clint Harms at Until Game, another uh, frequent contributor. I call you guys contributors because without your questions and comments, I, I wouldn't have a podcast. Clint Harms at Until Game. What are a couple of concerns you have that might prevent the women's basketball team from making a deep run in the tournament? Mine are that the game where Monica is somewhat contained or lack of quality defense at times. Yeah, Clint, I touched on this in a previous question, but agree with you. The quality of defense at times. Uh, just too easy. You make it too easy on the other team to score and you have an off shooting night and that's not going to happen a ton with all the shooters that Iowa has, but it can happen. Uh, and if you're not playing adequate defense, you can get outscored and you lose 90 to 85. I forget what I, what did Iowa lose to at Illinois? That's their one big 10 loss. Let me go back and check that. I know some of you are yelling out the score right now, but I do not commit these to memory. All right. The only loss in the big 10 came at Illinois on Sunday, January the 1st, new year's day. Iowa lost 90 to 86. That's a lot of points. You give up 90. You're going to win because Iowa can score 90, but there are games where you're not going to be able to score 90 because you're off shooting, foul trouble, whatever the case may be. So the loss was 90 to 86. And ironically, they bounced back the following weekend and won at Michigan 94 to 85. 85 still a lot of points, but they put up 94. So, um, they won in overtime at Michigan State. That was 84 to 81. Um, but for the most part, I mean, they gave up, they gave up what? 82 to Maryland, won that 96 to 82. Um, gave up 76 to Nebraska, 72 to Ohio State, 67 Penn State, 64 uh, Northwestern, 68 Purdue. So you can see those scores. It's when Iowa lets teams get up. So 
Iowa lost to NC State, score 94 to 81. Iowa lost to Connecticut, score 86 to 79. So Iowa had, in Iowa's four losses, what was Iowa's other loss? Oh, they lost to Kansas State, again, 84 83. Iowa doesn't lose like 55 54. You're not going to see that game. When they lose, it's going to be some team scoring mid 80s to 90s and Iowa not being able to keep up with that. So to me, that is the separator. Being able to outscore the opponent. I know some people will frown upon that and say, well, you should play better defense. It's the systems that Coach Lisa Bluter and Fran McCaffrey have. I enjoy watching them. Um, So that's that. Drake Timbers only won this week at Drake Timbers uh, from 57 minutes ago. In the 2006 film Crank, Jason Statham, 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce that, is burdened. I'm awful at pronouncing names for those that um, don't listen to the podcast and hear me butcher them uh, regularly. Uh, Jason Statham is burdened by two priorities after the Chinese. I never saw this movie either way. Crank, 2006. Is that about Crank? Uh, Chinese mom replaces his robot heart with an inferior model. He must find his true heart while chart recharging his crap heart every hour. Will Brecht consider a different path and choose football? <laughs> I don't know what to really... I get it. Brecht's heart is with football. That's his favorite. He told us that's his favorite sport. His best sport is baseball, at least right now. So I get it. Um, I would be surprised if he gives up baseball, but I will ask him next time I talk him, talk to him what the chances are of him dropping baseball to focus on football. I don't think they're very good. <laughs> I mean, he can make a lot of money after his junior year in baseball. All he has to do is keep that arm healthy and keep pumping out mid nineties regularly and he'll be fine. Uh, he works on his secondaries. Woo. He can make a whole lot of money, but uh, I don't think he will choose a different path and and only do football, but I don't know. I'd have to ask him that, and uh, I will next time I talk to him. Uh, Jesse Lucier, with Brian returning, if Iowa decides to change very little with scheme, the strengths of this offense should be perfect for that, right? Assuming O-line takes a couple steps forward, uh, if I were decides to change very little scheme, I don't know, Jesse, this is a really good question and more of an involved question that maybe I'll ask Scott Docterman on Thursday. He thinks more analytically like this and he charts plays and he's more into, uh, what goes into the sausage. Um, I certainly pay attention and, would not call myself an idiot when it comes to those things, but I also don't dive as deep as Scott does, so I'll ask him. Um, I don't know. Um, assuming the O-line takes a couple steps forward may be uh, wishful thinking, but I don't know that. I've seen offensive line in Iowa take pretty big jumps at times. Uh, 2001 to 2002 was an enormous jump. I'm certainly not calling for that to happen, but you never know how far – you know, how much we talked about Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker. Maybe that's enough to to take this 
offensive line up a couple notches. And if it does that, then certainly it makes everything else easier. Um, it's going to be, you know, I think we just assume that Cade McNamara is going to come in here and hit the ground running. But we heard from Alex Padilla uh, before the first Kentucky Iowa, the Capital One Bowl uh, in 2000, after the 2021 season, the difficulties in learning this system. You do have a guy who ran a, say, similar, but not widely diff- wildly different offense at Michigan. So he should understand the concepts. It's going to be terminology. It's going to be more those types of things that have to be absorbed by McNamara to be able to work in this offense or make this offense work for him. And then you have to hope Eric all is healthy. You have to hope that Kate McNamara is healthy. Hope that Seth Anderson can make that jump from small college football to big college football. Hope that Nico Regani takes the next step. Um, that some more development happens at wide receiver with Deontay Vines, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball. Even if you change some blocking schemes and do more hat on hat in conjunction with doing zone blocking, teams have pretty much decided, listen, we're stacking the box. And Iowa hasn't been able to make them pay for that regularly throughout the last two seasons. And that's to me, however you make that, however you whatever ingredients you need to put into that stew to make that taste good is what Iowa is facing right now as as a coaching staff uh and in terms of getting personnel ready to succeed on that side of the ball. So kind of where I am on that. I think that'll do it, folks. Uh, I don't see anything else here. If you didn't use the HF mail hashtag, I apologize. I uh, have gone about an hour here. And uh, if, if, if there were more HF mail hashtag questions, I would continue on and get to all those. But I am not going to search for those that did not use the hashtag uh, HF mail um, because we have gone an hour. Uh, and I'm too lazy to hunt them down, and I apologize. You can send them my way again using that hashtag, and I will get to them next week. Again, hashtag HFMail anytime between the time you're listening to this podcast and the next time I record, which will be Tuesday, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. It'll be a sweetheart edition of the HF Mailbag podcast. Please come back. Thanks again to our sponsors. Thank you all for listening, and a special thanks to everybody that sent in questions today. You guys are the thing that makes this make this podcast work, and I appreciate it a ton. So have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. 
And we are back. And next up is Clint Harms at Until Game, another uh, frequent contributor. I call you guys contributors because without your questions and comments, I, I wouldn't have a podcast. Clint Harms at Until Game. What are a couple of concerns you have that might prevent the women's basketball team from making a deep run in the tournament? Mine are that the game where Monica is somewhat contained or lack of quality defense at times. Yeah, Clint, I touched on this in a previous question, but agree with you. The quality of defense at times. Uh, just too easy. You make it too easy on the other team to score and you have an off shooting night and that's not going to happen a ton with all the shooters that Iowa has, but it can happen. Uh, and if you're not playing adequate defense, you can get outscored and you lose 90 to 85. I forget what I, what did Iowa lose to at Illinois? That's their one big 10 loss. Let me go back and check that. I know some of you are yelling out the score right now, but I do not commit these to memory. All right. The only loss in the Big Ten came at Illinois on Sunday, January the 1st. New Year's Day, Iowa lost 90 to 86. That's a lot of points. You give up 90, you're going to win because Iowa can score 90, but there are games where you're not going to be able to score 90 because you're off shooting foul trouble, whatever the case may be. So the loss was 90 to 86. And ironically, they bounced back the following weekend and won at Michigan 94 to 85. 85 still a lot of points, but they put up 94. So um they won in overtime at Michigan State. That was 84 to 81. Um, but for the most part, I mean they gave up they gave up what 82 to Maryland, won that 96 to 82. Um, gave up 76 to Nebraska, 72 to Ohio State, 67 Penn State, 64 uh, Northwestern, 68 Purdue. So you can see those scores. It's when Iowa lets teams get up. So Iowa lost to NC State, score 94 to 81. Iowa lost to Connecticut, score 86 to 79. So Iowa had uh, in Iowa's four losses. What was Iowa's other loss? Oh, they lost at Kansas State again, eighty four, eighty three. Iowa doesn't lose like fifty five, fifty four. You're not going to see that game. When they lose, it's going to be some team scoring mid eighties to nineties, and Iowa not being able to keep up with that. So to me, that is the separator: being able to outscore the opponent. I know some people will frown upon that and say, well, you should play better defense. It's the systems that Coach Lisa Bluter and Fran McCaffrey have. I enjoy watching them. Um, so that's that. Drake Timbers only won this week at Drake Timbers uh, from 57 minutes ago. In the 2006 film Crank, Jason Statham, 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce that, is Burden. I'm awful at pronouncing names for those that um, don't listen to the podcast and hear me butcher them uh, regularly. Uh, Jason Statham is burdened by two priorities after the Chinese. I never saw this movie either way. Crank, 2006. Is that about Crank? Uh, Chinese mom replaces his robot heart 
with an inferior model. He must find his true heart while recharging his crap heart every hour. Will Brecht consider a different path and choose football? (laughs) I don't know what the really... I get it. Brecht's heart is with football. That's his favorite. He told us that's his favorite sport. His best sport is baseball, at least right now. So I get it. Um, I would be surprised if he gives up baseball. But I will ask him next time I talk him, talk to him what the chances are of him dropping baseball to focus on football. I don't think they're very good. <laughs> I mean, he can make a lot of money after his junior year in baseball. All he has to do is keep that arm healthy and keep pumping out mid-90s regularly, and he'll be fine. Uh, he works on his secondaries. Whew, he can make a whole lot of money. But uh, I don't think he will choose a different path and, and only do football, but I don't know. I'd have to ask him that, and uh, I will next time I talk to him. Uh, Jesse Lucier, with Brian returning, if Iowa decides to change very little with – scheme the strengths of this offense should be perfect for that right assuming o-line takes a couple steps forward uh if i would decides to change very little scheme i don't know jesse this is a really good question and more of an involved question that maybe i'll ask scott doctorman on thursday he thinks more analytically like this and he charts plays and he's more into uh, what goes into the sausage. Um, I certainly pay attention and would not call myself an idiot when it comes to those things, but I also don't dive as deep as Scott does, so I'll ask him. Um, I don't know. Um, Assuming the O-line takes a couple steps forward may be uh, wishful thinking, but I don't know that. I've seen offensive line in Iowa take pretty big jumps at times. Uh, 2001 to 2002 was an enormous jump. I'm certainly not calling for that to happen, but you never know how far, you know, how much we talked about Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker. Maybe that's enough to to take this offensive line up a couple notches. And if it does that, then certainly it makes everything else easier. Um, it's going to be – you know, I think we just assume that Cade McNamara is going to come in here and hit the ground running. But we heard from Alex Padilla uh, before the first Kentucky-Iowa, the Capital One Bowl uh, in 2000, after the 2021 season, the difficulties in learning this system. You do have a guy who ran a, say, similar but not widely diff- wildly different offense at Michigan. So he should understand the concepts. It's going to be terminology. It's going to be more those types of things that have to be absorbed by McNamara to be able to work in this offense or make this offense work for him. And then you have to hope Eric All is healthy. You have to hope that Kate McNamara is healthy, hope that Seth Anderson can make that jump from small college football to big college football, hope that Nico Reganey takes the next step. Um, that some more development happens at wide receiver with Deontay Vines, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball. Even if you change some blocking schemes and do more hat-on-hat in conjunction with doing zone blocking, teams have pretty much decided, listen, 
worth stacking the box. And Iowa hasn't been able to make them pay for that regularly throughout the last two seasons. And that's, to me, however you make that, however you, whatever ingredients you need to put into that stew to make that taste good is what Iowa is facing right now as, as a coaching staff uh, and in terms of getting personnel ready to succeed on that side of the ball. So kind of where I am on that. I think that'll do it, folks. Uh, I don't see anything else here. If you didn't use the HF mail hashtag, I apologize. I uh, have gone about an hour here. And uh, if, if, if there were more HF mail hashtag questions, I would continue on and get to all those, but I am not going to search for those that did not use the hashtag uh, HF mail um, because we have gone an hour uh, and I'm too lazy to hunt them down. And I apologize. You can send them my way again using that hashtag and I will get to them next week. Again, hashtag HF mail anytime between the time you're listening to this podcast and the next time I record, which will be Tuesday, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. It'll be a sweetheart edition of the HF mailbag podcast. Please come back. Thanks again to our sponsors. Thank you all for listening, and a special thanks to everybody that sent in questions today. You guys are the thing that makes this make this podcast work, and I appreciate it a ton. So have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.